Good evening, everyone. Welcome again to the Georgia Alabama Sports Live Show. And we got a special one for you. I know we were supposed to do one yesterday, but we had some conflict. So we will be doing uh, a show tonight, and we are excited as we're going to talk NFL playoffs. We're going to talk some college football, hit on some college basketball as well. And we got a special guest, new member of our team, Noah Shelton, who will be joining us here in just a moment. Richard, you had the pleasure of interviewing Bobby Z to talk about the upcoming 49ers-Packers game. If you don't know who Bobby Z is, he was a legendary uh, sports broadcast around here. Had the press box with Bobby Z and friends for five years. Very successful sports radio show. Um, we'll have him on the Georgia Alabama Sports Live show next Wednesday. So excited about that. You can find us anywhere you get your podcast. You can find us on YouTube and on Facebook. No reason you're not following Georgia Alabama Sports Live. And we are on Twitter as well. Um, I know we're a new and upcoming company. So we're going to continue to get better putting out content right now. It's such a busy season with the live streaming, but promise you, as we start heading to our off season, which will be towards the summertime, we're going to be putting out more content, and you're going to see an even more improved George Alabama Sports Live, especially as we continue to grow our team. But Richard, how are you, man? I'm doing great, Thrift. It's just great to be back on just talking sports, doing what I've loved to do, and just talking sports, and it's always been a lifelong dream of mine to to have, be on a sports talk show host, but now with the new platform and now you can find us on social media, it's uh, great just to talk sports with you, Thrift, and I'm ready and excited about this upcoming week as we got not only high school basketball, we also got the NFL Divisional Playoffs, and still, even though college football is over, we still got a lot of news that's going on, especially with Transfer Portal news and with the new head coach at Alabama, just so much to talk about. Yeah, and well, we're already halfway through the week already. We've already passed hump day. It's Thursday now. Um, so make sure to like on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube. Um, tomorrow, we got Carver Monroe. What a wow. matchup. Their girls from Monroe are 11, win, have, are 11 and 6, one of the top teams in the region. Obviously, we know about the Carver girls. They're, one, they're the top team in the region. And on the boys' side, Monroe boys, they only have two losses, and they're ranked in the top three. Carver, undefeated, ranked in the top five. You're going to get it all on at Georgia Alabama Sports Live. Saturday, we got Harris County and Shaw, Tierra Tucker against Brooke, uh, Brooke Bass and Miss um, Broom, who can just block everybody, every shot. And the boys who are getting better under first-year basketball coach, second year as a football coach, but first-year basketball coach Tommy Watson, and uh, they can pull an upset against Shaw. Richard, you'll be there with Rick Beach. Looking forward to being there with that one. All right. Let's go ahead and get into it. Let's bring on our guest, Richard, uh, a guy that I had the pleasure of getting to know because of Coach Purdue. He graduated from Glenwood just like me. Um, Richard, he's far younger than us, by the way. He graduated in 2020, um, but very talented young man that's got a lot of potential did work with the Chattahoots and called many games for them and the Monsters this past summer. It's called a state championship basketball game. Last year with Glenwood making East, great call. It is Noah Shelton, the newest member of Georgia Alabama Sports Live. How are you, Noah? Oh, no, I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to work with you guys. Uh, I've been watching your stuff. The, I mean, the, the content you put out, not just the live streams, but the, just the local talk sports like this. You know, me and Richard talking about before we came on, just, you know, it's been a little bit of a lack of it or like we feel like there's not as much as there used to be but i feel like we're maybe feeling a need and you know hopefully entertain people that are really interested in sports in the chattahoochee valley area 
No doubt well, Noah, about it. We're glad that you're on the team. And Noah, I had the privilege of work with you uh, this summer as you and I called several Chattahoochee Monsters games, including a playoff game while Tom Callahan was on the road calling the Chattahoots. You and I called the Monsters game as they beat the Gainesville Gold Diggers to take them to elimination. And you were also you were on the call with Tom Callahan when that incredible comeback by the Monsters. And that, that had to have been just an incredible moment. And what a great summer we had. Oh, yeah, no, it was a tremendous experience, especially the Monsters. Uh, you know, Tom mainly did the Chattahoochee, so I was kind of, you know, being the intern, I was, you know, kind of pushed over to the, the second team we had in the area where they were playing at Golden Park. And uh, they were, I tell you, I, I, thought, I thought about calling them the Heart Attack Monsters. So they ate the one comeback against the Atlanta Crackers to keep their playoff folks alive. And then beating the Gainesville Gold Diggers in a doubleheader to move the Chattahoochee from the two seed to the one seed and the Gainesville Gold Diggers down from the top seed to the two seed. Uh, they had a great team, and uh, so did the Chattahoots, but you know, ultimately lost to Gainesville in the finals. The uh, Chattahoots did, but it was a great, it was a great time. No doubt about it. And uh, thank you again, Noah. He is going to be an integral part for Georgia Alabama Sports Live. Like I said, up and coming broadcaster and a new member of our team. You heard him doing the Glenwood game. And as we continue with basketball and head into baseball, you're going to hear a lot more of Noah Shelton here in the future. And uh, we appreciate you, Noah. And he'll be a frequent guest as we do our shows, maybe even uh, – we hadn't done a college game day, in a, I mean a high school game day for basketball yet because it's so hard. With football, everybody plays on Friday night. With basketball, you got games on Tuesday, Thursday, some Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So it's hard to do something like that. But like I said, you'll see more of Noah Shelton throughout um, these next coming weeks, and we appreciate him being a part of us. And as we do put out more content and stuff like that, we're going to allow him to – have his own stuff and just continue to growing our brand here on George Alabama Sports Live. All right, Noah. So you graduated from Glenwood in 2020 and you just graduated from the Tide. Um, yes, so you did get the experience four years of Nick Saban, a national yeah. championship in your first year in yeah. 2020. Uh, talk about graduating from Alabama and uh, what 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 led you to want to get into broadcasting? Yeah. So well, uh, well, starters for broadcasting, I. Uh, I might sound like a little bit of an old head here, but the SEC on CBS was my childhood. And Vern Lundquist and Gary Danielson, love them or hate them, they were, they were my childhood on Saturdays. You know, my family, you know, huge Alabama fans. I went to Alabama. My dad went there. That's the main reason I, you know, followed his footsteps going there as well. And I, I just I have so many, as you call them, core memories of watching just certain games with certain calls, you know, with Vern and Brad as well, you know, as well as Gary. So I just – I think – the main reason I want to do this is I want to create those same memories for other people down the line that that last a lifetime. All right. And let's talk about graduating from Alabama. How was the, the experience? And I guess you can tie that question into Nick Saban retiring yeah. literally as you graduate. I mean, uh, what, what was, what was that like? Well, I, I got to say, first off the communications department and all the professors I had were top tier, grade A, excellent. They all were very experienced very professional, knew what they were talking about, very, very helpful. And I feel my growth and development, you know, as a student. And uh, yeah, I feel very fortunate. You know, I remember a lot from all the seasons I went to, you know, basically at every home game and, you know, many, many road trips away. And it was, it was, I knew that Saban's time was fleeting. I didn't exactly think he was going to retire right after this season. I thought he maybe had a, one or two left in him personally, but, you know, it was just a joy to watch. And I, I feel very fortunate to be there for his, his uh, last few years. 
right. Noah, Noah, what was your most memorable game that that you saw during your time in Alabama? So my my most uh, memorable game I as a student was on the road. Me and my dad took a road trip in 2021 when Alabama played at Florida early in the year, and that's the loudest stadium I've ever been in. Okay, I've been I've been to Tennessee, I've been to Auburn, I've been to South Carolina. Florida was the loudest place I've ever been to, and that was a great game. Alabama got up early, and then Florida came back, missed a two point conversion in the last seconds to try yep. to tie it up. Alabama ended up winning by two. Plus, a thunderstorm you could see was rolling in right when the game was ending. We were hoping that the clock would run out so we didn't have to sit in the stands for another few hours if there was a lightning delay. But, uh, yeah, no, that was a great trip, and uh, I have many memories like that. But that was my personal favorite as a student. Yeah, Florida, that was Dan Mullins last year in 2021. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the quarterback, uh, Emory, mm-hmm. the Emory Jones, who used to play for the Ohio State Buckeyes. He was a starter then. And then after that game, everybody's talking about Florida. That was their first loss. Um, that, that, that they should have beat Alabama. And then they went on to go five and seven. Yeah. Mullen gets fired, and Nick Saban ends up going to the national championship. And he doesn't lose uh, Jamison Williams or John Mechie. Who knows? They probably could win back-to-back national championships. Yeah. Um, but from as far as your career goes, you're still young. You still got a lot of potential, and you still got a lot of growth ahead of you um but man it just i know it's i wish when i was 24 years old i had the opportunity of growing at columbus state but being able to call games and just getting your feet wet uh this is what the beauty of george alabama sports lives is and don't get this wrong even though he is young this guy is a professional um there's a reason why ignite sports wanted to hire him there's a reason why and used him over the summer there's a reason why beam used him for state championship and he's the main reason why we wanted him to be a part of what we're doing here on George Alabama Sports Live. So let's let's talk some sports here with you, Noah. Nick Saban retires, um, obviously. If you want to give your soliloquy or what he meant to you, you talk about childhood. I mean, he's literally been there since you were a nugget. And then talk yep. about the new hire in Kalen DeBoer. What's your thoughts on that? Well, first off, Saban, uh, he really is. I know you've heard everybody say he's once in a generation the best to ever do it. But I think as a person, not just as a coach, is where he's really inspirational you know, I heard, or you know, I've heard. I'm a big Josh Pate fan. I've heard him tell his story about him seeing him live in Columbus and how basically a, a speech. You know, he said he's in his words changed his life. But I, just his commitment to perfection, or I guess his pursuit of perfection, is really inspiring to me. And in trying to be the best I can be in everything that I do. You know, wh- whether it's work or you know, as a student in, in college or as a you know, a boyfriend, a, a brother, a son. You know, everything in life really. So I think that's what makes Saban different than all the rest of the coaches, at least that we consider elite in his class. And I think the hire of Kalen DeBoer, I think I, I'm a big fan of it personally. I, I didn't think that's the direction Alabama was going to go. I thought they were going right. to at least offer Lanning or Sarkeesian or even D'Amico Ryans from the Texans, you know, who played Alabama back in the mid 2000s. But uh, I, I'm I'm good. I'm glad with the, the direction that Alabama's going in. Greg Byrne is a great athletic director who makes stuff happen. And I think he, chose really wisely with Kalen DeBoer. Yeah, I think he did too. Richard? I actually agree. Uh, I love the hire of Kalen DeBoer. I think that Alabama is going to have probably more an, an offensive direction as Kalen DeBoer is an offensive guy. But I got to look at the 2024 schedule. And that There are some Alabama fans out there that they really, they compare everything to Nick Saban. And it, I don't think Kalen DeBoer is going to match what Nick Saban did, the 17 years, the six national championships. But I think that Alabama in 
today's landscape of college football, Alabama is going to be competitive. But, I mean, you look at that schedule for 2024, Noah. At Oklahoma, at LSU, at Tennessee, they got to play Georgia, even though it's at Tuscaloosa. They got to go up to Camp Randall and play Wisconsin. I mean, that's a tough schedule, but realistically, if you go 10-2, and two, that still might be good enough to get into the college football playoff with the 12 teams. But um, what do you think that realistically the expectations should be in Coach DeBoer's first year at Alabama? I hope people's expectations are as low as mine because if you remember Saban's first year, Alabama went 7-6, and six, I believe. Early, yeah, and beat Colorado in the bowl game, but that's right. It took them a couple of years. So this first year, especially with all the tra- all the portal losses with Caleb Downs, uh, Isaiah Bond, Caden Proctor just entered today. I-, I really think something like, I mean, if Alabama goes eight and four, I would not be that disappointed. I don't think fans should either. I mean, going to Tennessee, LSU, and Oklahoma in a five week stretch to me is just insane. Like the average football team is going to go zero and three in that stretch. It's just the SEC is going to be so ridiculously hard now with the additions of Texas and Oklahoma that you gotta kind of got to recalibrate your expectations, I think. just Not just Alabama fans, but any fan of any SEC school. And let's also think about this, too, when talking about Nick Saban. When he came in, obviously, everyone knew how great he was. If he'd have stayed at LSU, he would have done similar things he did at Alabama. There was no stopping that upward trajectory that his career was on. But when he came into the SEC at his, in his time, tenure at Alabama – Urban Meyer hadn't yet won. He won one national championship, but he didn't have a stranglehold on it. Philip Fulmer was in his twilight years. Obviously, the next year, Tommy Tuberville gets fired. He obviously was one of the top two coaches during that time period. Um, but now, Kalen DeBoer is coming into a situation which, again, Nick coming in to Mike Shula, anything was going to be better than what Shula was putting on the field. DeBoer is replacing the greatest coach of all time. And he's having to go against now another dynasty and another guy that has the SEC on stranglehold, which is Kirby Smart. So I, I do think, and I'm with you, that I say all that to say I'm with you, Noah. I think expectations should be eight, ten wins. I think there's enough talent on this Alabama roster to win nine, ten games every year, regardless of the schedule. But we're going to learn, and I think he's doing a great job hiring coaches that will help him be successful. All right. Being going, keep bringing Ryan Grubbs. That's a guy that, and I know we we mentioned he's a mutual friend. He's a guy that gave gave me a lot of opportunities, and I learned from him. Josh Pate, and he says this all the time. Ryan Grubb was Nick Saban's first choice last year before Tommy Reese. He Correct. turned him down, went back to Washington. Grubbs now at Alabama. That would have been home run higher last year to home run mm-hmm. higher this year. And then whoever he gets defensive coordinator wise, I think he'll be fine. He's kept. Some people on staff from last year's Alabama, uh, you know, coaching staff that did a great job. I think Kalen set up for success. It's just what you talked about with expectations. And I know this is going to be hard because fanatic is what fan is. And fanatics, they don't think reasonably and they don't have reasonable expectations, especially when you're a team that is literally playing for the national championship every single season for 16 straight years. That's unheard of. That is unheard of. So It'll never happen again. Never happen again, and that's okay. That's why he's the greatest of all time. You can't have the greatest of all time and then have another greatest of all time back-to-back. It just doesn't work like that. So I think everything's going to be fine for Alabama. And for where they're at, and think about this, Noah, and you can piggyback off of what I'm saying. In this position of replacing Nick Saban, nobody wants to be the guy that replaces him. 
Nobody, because then the expectation, especially the year after he retires, that is a grueling, very pressurized situation in which you got, I think, for that opening right now, not, let's say, the guy after Nick Saban. I feel like everybody's going to want that job because Alabama is such a, a premier program. But the guy that replaces Nick Saban, they get a Kalen DeBoer, I think that's a home run hire because you could have ended up with someone like Dabo Sweeney or a Derek Dooley. I'm not saying you would have got Derek Dooley, but a Derek Dooley type, a Mike Shula type, because that's a hard job to replace a legend like that. And to get someone as good as Kalen DeBoer, he's won everywhere he's been. I think that's great. You know, it definitely is. And I, I respect Kalen DeBoer for stepping into the situation. You know, Washington's got great facilities. They were one of the best Pac-12 schools, you know, obviously yeah. now moving to the Big Ten, which is still trying to get my, wrap my mind around that. But, you know, it's uh, I think he's really – I think mentally mature enough and knows no he knows the pressure is going to be high and the expectation is going to be high. And I think he's embraced it. I think that's the best way he can go about it. I think, Richard, that we should go now and talk about Auburn and, and Georgia since we still have him on. Um, is there anything else you want to add, Richard, when talking about Alabama and Kalen DeBoer and his hires? Because he's still not done getting his staff together. Well, no, I, I've just – the only concern I have is – like you mentioned, Noah, all these players that have entered the transfer portal, including their prize recruit, Caleb Downs, who yeah. played like a, a, a senior. He was a freshman safety who made a huge impact for Nick Saban's defense. He's entered the transfer portal. A lot of people think he's going to go to Georgia. The Kirby Snart Mart never should have left, uh, tried to he, – he's came from Georgia. He played at Mill Creek, won a state title at Mill Creek, and – to have him leave the backyard and go to Nick Saban in Alabama. Now he's entered the transfer portal, and and we'll see where he goes. There's talks Georgia, Ohio State, but, yeah, huge losses. But Kalen DeBoer is going to get his guys in there. The guys he was trying to recruit at Washington is going to come to Alabama, and, and they'll be fine. Yeah, and many people are saying they don't like the fact that Nick Saban could be hovering over the program and that makes Kalen DeBoer feel like he can't be his own man. I think that's nonsense, and I'm going to give you an example. When Bob Suits retired after 2016, in which his phenomenal run as the Oklahoma head coach, he was just like what Nick Saban's about to be, hovering over the program. If you don't think he was at every single practice, if you don't think he was in meetings and really involved in Lincoln Riley's first year, that year Baker Mayfield lost to Georgia in that epic Rose Bowl, you're sadly mistaken. He was at every game when they played Ohio State, up in the press box, when he, they were playing Georgia, on the field. The guy was hovering over the program, and guess what? It helped Lincoln Riley become who he is today and become successful in sustaining that program. Now, Lincoln has other problems, but that's not Bob Suit's fault, what's happening at USC. That's either here nor there. But I think having Nick Saban around, that's, I, don't, I think that's nonsense because if Nick Saban still wanted a coach, he still be there. It's not like he got pushed out. Nick Alabama would have let him coach as long as he wanted to. So just like with Bob Suits, he could have stayed at Oklahoma as long as he wanted to. I don't want to hear anybody saying, "Well, him, he's just saying the right things, giving Nick Saban 100% access." I feel like that that's a recipe for no success. And there's a guy by the name of Brandon Walker, and I'm going to say this, and I and I usually don't call out many media types, but I. How do people listen to this dude and think that's college football? I get my insight from Brandon Walker. Josh Pate is a walking encyclopedia that knows the game and has the sources. That's a tip-tier guy. Joel Klatt, Kirk Herbstreet, 
I can the list goes on and on. And guys from on three, the the site, I like them. Brandon Walker, for one, you don't watch Barcelona Sports to get information. You get you go there to get entertained. Nobody should put Brandon Walker and Josh Pate in the same breath. No chance. I just want to throw that out there because he was one of the ones that said Kalen DeBoer is going to be a disaster this year. I mean, we'll see. That's the beauty of sport. Yeah. Did, nobody wanted to touch the Brandon Walker thing. I'm assuming either one of y'all fans. Um, I no, I've, I've never watched. Not really. Show. Never watched the show once. I think we're all on the same page that we all love Josh Pate. I mean, he had a show technically yesterday. Rivals. You know that, right? What's that? Yeah. They're technically are. rivals. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, th- there's nobody that like tells it like it is and really keeps it real than Josh Pate. I know that a lot of sportscasters out there want to have their hot sports take. Um, I know. Elephant in the room. I'm talking about myself when I uh, probably listen, made the... Listen, listen. Oh, my goodness. Noah, you were not there for that. A few weeks, uh, not a few weeks, a few months ago, after South Florida, Richard came on Georgia Alabama Sports Live and said Alabama was going 6-6. Six and six. And I they said they, had, said they could possibly go six and six the way they played against South Florida, but they well, proved me wrong. Yeah, and I I was just I, proud of them. I mean, they probably the, the best coaching job by Nick Saban by far. Oh, I completely agree. Uh, I argue the South Florida game was worse than the Texas game. I mean, at least that Texas that Texas team had some life to it, some talent on that roster. Exactly. Uh, South Florida South Florida's improving though. I mean, made a bowl game, killed Syracuse in their bowl game, but. I uh, yeah. After that game, I, I we were, I mean I think Alabama just lost, you know, really until they. I don't know what clicked in between that and the Ole Miss game, but yeah, I mean the, the growth and development of that team, not just the players but the coaches. I think Tommy Reese also. I know he's kind of get, sh- you know, uh, shafted out because of the coaching change, but I think he really developed as a play caller over the season. Yeah, he did. All right, let's move on from Alabama and let's talk about Auburn, Georgia, and then we'll get Noah and we'll hit a little high school basketball around here first. Let's start with Auburn. Q Freeze moved on from Carnell Williams. Obviously, he, he wanted to go. Cadillac and Zach Etheridge, two guys that have been part of the Gus Malzahn regime, Brian Harson that turned into Q Freeze. I'm okay with it. I know people up in arms because they were so excited to see what Cadillac did last year to you know galvanize the program, put, get some momentum. He helped stabilize Hugh Freeze in his first season. But I can understand why Hugh Freeze wants his own guys that are buying into Hugh Freeze's vision. He's also going to start calling the plays like he did at every other stop other than this year, which is why he's always had a top 20 offense other Mm -hmm. than this year. Um, I think he's fine. I I like the guys he's going after and got uh, top recruiters that are going to come in and be very successful. Derek Nix, Charles Kelly, these guys can recruit anywhere and been defensive coordinators and guys that have – been successful everywhere they've been. I like what Hugh Freeze is doing. Obviously, recruiting, we know he's winning that. But I think he's also winning now with his coaching staff. And hopefully this continuity will have Auburn competitive this year. Noah, we'll start with you and then go Richard. Thoughts on Hugh Freeze coaching staff moves? I mean, I I don't think it's anything that Auburn fans should be necessarily that worried about. Uh, I think Hugh Freeze, as we've seen, has won basically everywhere he's went. Uh, I think they should really more trust him than anything to make the right coaching decisions. And plus, with the with the recruiting class that they've amounted coming in next year, I think I think Auburn's in a fine spot, really. Richard, 
Well, they better start 4-0 before they enter that Oklahoma game. I know it's going to be at Auburn, but Auburn's schedule for 2024 has got a gift-wrapped 4-0, and I know that Hugh Freeze is going to improve in year two, but the question is the recruiting class. Number seven in the nation. they got a little bit of an easy schedule. Yeah, they do play at Georgia and at Alabama. Those are probably going to be losses. But I think this, just the growth and the development of whoever he brings on as the quarterback is going to really factor in how good Auburn is going to be this year. I can't wait to see Cam Coleman. I'm a huge Cam Coleman fan. He played at Central, won a state title there. I, seriously, this could be one of the best Auburn wide receivers of all time. He could be putting up monster numbers, breaking receiving records. I mean, Auburn has finally got a huge possession receiver that is going to get open and he is just going to get Auburn a lot of points and I'm excited about that and I'm really excited about the direction that Auburn is going uh, and they do have a real, real easy schedule to start the season I mean there's no reason why they can't start 4-0 and, and maybe have a chance against Oklahoma since that game's being played at home yeah, they call him the Calvin Johnson. That's what Patrick Nix called Cam Coleman. I'll say this, though. It's not like Auburn's been receiver U in their history. Terry Beasley, it was a pretty good product. But honestly, you couldn't name five guys that were all Americans or had 1,000-yard seasons. Auburn's never – so I'm saying that, Richard, the goal with your point, he went to a program where he, he, he obviously is going to be the guy. He has one or 2,000-yard season. He's going to be the greatest Auburn receiver of all time compared to going to Alabama, which you got to compete with a lot of talented guys, including the Heisman Trophy winner and Devontae Smith. How about Amari Cooper and what he did in 2014? That's a tough task. Um, Jerry Judy, I mean, the list goes on and on. Jamison Williams, there's a lot of talent there. Auburn, on the flip side, you have a couple good seasons. You're going to be, the, you're going to be putting the lore as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Auburn receiver of all time. Derek Nix was going to be the offensive coordinator. He was a receivers coach and the primary recruiter during that Ole Miss run of getting guys like A.J. Brown, uh, Laquan Treadwell, uh, Robert Kim Dietschy. He was the lead recruiter then. D.K. Metcalf. D.K. Metcalf. The guy's an elite coach, and now he's going to come and coach at Auburn. So now you got Nix, who's basically replacing um, – he's going to be the running backs coach. He's basically replacing – Cadillac. I don't have a problem with that. That's a home run eye, in my opinion. And then you went and got Charles Kelly. You, so you replaced out Philip Montgomery and Ron Roberts for guys that I think are going to be very successful. I'm excited to see where Auburn football is going, but I think it's in the upper trajectory. Quarterback is going to be the biggest issue. Is Robbie Ashford's not there anymore? Is it Peyton Thorne now? If he gets good play calling, maybe he can be successful. It's going to be Holden Grenier, who beat the Carver Tigers in a state championship two years ago. A lot of great – there's talent on there. We'll just see if they can get developed, which was one of the reasons why Gus Malzahn was, was fired. The Georgia Bulldogs, you know, Kalen DeBoer is like, you know, let's get Javaris Robinson. The guy was an elite recruiter at Auburn, was an elite recruiter at Florida with Will Muschamp, went to South Carolina, was an elite recruiter there, goes to Alabama, elite recruiter, and Georgia's like, you know, Kirby – I don't feel like Kalen DeBoer deserves to have someone like Travars. Let's just let's let's take him to our already do dominant recruiting staff. It's not like they needed another A plus recruiter. They got like twenty of them that are tops in the country. Let's just go take another one 
And now he's a D coordinator as Will Muschamp, who was a co-D coordinator with Glenn Schumann, is now moving on to an analyst role because he wants to watch his son play on Friday night, which, again, I mean, Will's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's been a great coach in his career. He's one. Of, he's been a defensive coordinator national champion in 2003 with LSU and then this year, two years ago with Georgia, um, or last year with Georgia, excuse me. Um, talk about the Georgia Bulldogs. Is it really – it's just – I don't really think the coaching moves matter. They ain't lost that much in the transfer portal. I think Georgia set it to be the best team in the country again next year. Yeah, no, I mean, they're by far right now the most stable program of college football, I would argue. Uh, I think t Rob's just another addition to what Kirby Smart's trying to build over there, which, you know, he learned uh, at, during his time in Alabama under Saban. It's just you never stop pursuing perfection, never stop pursuing the standard, as they call it. Richard. I do feel with Georgia getting the number one recruiting class uh, this year that they're not going to drop off. We've seen so many players that go to the NFL, mainly to the Eagles, but you got possibly Caleb Downs coming to Georgia. And you look at just the talented players that have come out of the state. Remember, as far as four and five star players that come out of each state, Georgia is ranked fourth behind California, Texas, and Florida. Georgia has the most four- and five-star players, so why not Georgia try to recruit in their own backyard and get the best players in the state of Georgia? Too many times we've seen the best players in the state of Georgia. A guy like Eric Berry that goes to Tennessee, Caleb Downs going to Alabama. I mean, we've seen Deshaun Watson go to Clemson, Trevor Lawrence go to Clemson. I mean, all these great players from the state of Georgia not playing for the University of Georgia, and they just got to be home. And this is where the you got the facilities, the recruiting. Kirby Smart is just recruiting at another level, and uh, I don't think there's a drop off here. I think that Georgia not only competes for another national championship, they could possibly win it. They are the odds-on favorite to win it, but it's going to be a little bit tougher. We got the twelve-team playoff, but Carson Beck is coming back. Yeah, they are losing Brock Bowers and Lad McConkey. But uh, I think Georgia's in good shape, and it's because Kirby Smart's been doing a phenomenal job since he's taken over as the head coach since 2016. And looking where Georgia, Carson Beck, as you talked about, another, uh, Carson Beck's coming back. He'll be he'll be fantastic, and as a Heisman Trophy favorite, odds favorite here coming up in the 2024 season. But Richard, another name you left off, Cameron Newton. He came from the Olympics. No, that's right. Was probably had the greatest single season in the history of college football. And everybody wants to be like, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Thaddeus Moss. I mean, please. They, they, I mean, they're, they're, they were loaded. Clyde, uh, Clyde Edwards, E. Laird, that defense has guys that are starting right now in the NFL. Great season for Joe Burrow. No doubt one of the top five seasons of all time. But what Cam Newton took and won a national championship with is not even in comparison to LSU, that 2019 team, who I put up with anyone in the history of college football. You can't say that about Auburn. That's why I say single season. No one did more for their team than Cam Newton that 2010 season. I, I think that's just – that's my opinion, and I'm going to stick to it. And also, Gene Chiswick was a coach. Yeah, and you got to remember that 2010 team that won, I mean, that won the national championship. Only two, I believe, to my knowledge, I got to look back at it. The only player that made it to the NFL on that 2010 team was Nick Fairley on on the um, yes. 
Yeah, because yeah. They, th- there was nobody else that were NFL players. Yeah, not even close, Richard. All right, Noah, thank you so much, man. We appreciate you coming on. You're going to be a vital part of Georgia Alabama Sports Live. And as we continue to grow our brand, stay on, on the, the alert as we're going to continue to put out more content. You're going to see more of Noah. He might, he's probably going to have his own uh, some update shows or whatever. We, I got some great ideas and great stuff in store for you. Thank you so much, Noah. And we will see you next week as you'll be, I know, calling Glenwood Lee Scott, um, probably with you, Richard. That 25th, there is CVCC doubleheader, Glenwood Lee Scott, Pacelli Heritage, a lot happening. So expect to hear a lot of Noah, especially as we head towards baseball season. Noah, thank you so much, man. Yeah, thanks for the time, guys. It's been a pleasure. I'm looking forward to working with you guys some more. Yep, no doubt about it. Thanks, Noah. Thank you. See you, All Noah. Right. That is Noah Shelton. All right, Richard, let's hit on some college basketball. Auburn dominating. They're 15-2. and two. They're, I, I think, a top-10 team. Jay Billis has them as a top-five team. Ken Palm's got them in the top seven. Uh, Joey Joe Lenardi has um, bracketology, has them as a three-seed maybe even a two if they continue the way they're playing. Bruce Pearl is just – it's unbelievable what he built in a program that everybody said was destined to never be great. If They, don't, they could have had John Calipari. Heck, they could have had John Wood in there. People said he, you still would have failed because Auburn was a dumpster fire, and he has turned them into a top ten job um, because of the fan base support that they got there. Um, but the Auburn Tigers, Alabama's undefeated in SEC play as well. So Alabama and Auburn are the only undefeated teams. Georgia's only got one loss. They lost by six to Tennessee. They got another big win on the road at South Carolina, who only had two losses this year. All three of those teams could make the NCAA tournament. Georgia's really the only one that's on the on the block. Right now, Alabama and Auburn are for sure, no doubts, getting in. But Mike White having Georgia, Alabama, and Auburn all competitive in basketball, too, that's good for Georgia-Alabama Sports Live, I'll tell you that. There you go. No, I uh... – they don't even. Joe Lenardi doesn't even list Georgia as a bubble team, which it's. I understand it's because of their RPI, huge road victory against South Carolina. Could have beat Tennessee. They were up by eleven, with about six minutes to go, and Tennessee, just a top five team, was able to get the victory. Um, I'll tell you what Auburn is doing. They got another big game this Saturday, taking on a ranked Ole Miss team at Neville Arena. LSU. Auburn did beat Vanderbilt, but who lost to LSU? Right. So, quick point, Richard, before you finish. Um, it, I was looking at Georgia, like, predicting their schedule. If they go 21-10, and 11-7 and 7 in this SEC that's got predicting from Joe Lenardi, eight teams maybe making the NCAA tournament, 11-7 and 7 and 21-10 in this conference this year, that's probably the top two conference in the country, I feel like there's no doubt you have to put them in. But right Absolutely. now, I can understand it early in the season – Early in SEC play, they're three and one, thirteen and four. But I like what I'm seeing from Mike White's team. Go continue. And they have a very big game at Rupp Arena, taking on Kentucky, which they don't fare well against Kentucky. Nobody Any time at Rupp, nobody. No, but nobody's gonna. It's hard to beat them at Rupp Arena with John Calipari and all that Kentucky talent. Ty Ty Washington. I mean, you have uh, DJ Wagner. I mean, just. Incredible talent at Kentucky, but I've always thought that Kentucky is underachieved. And if if Georgia's got a shot to beat Kentucky, it's at Stegman Coliseum. Uh, but I, I really love what Coach White is doing. I mean, we haven't really talked about Georgia making the NCAA tournament that not, not that often. 
They they made it twice under Mark Fox in the 2015 and 2011, 2008 under Dennis Felton. Remember the four games in three days, the tornado hit the Georgia Dome and they win it I on. Remember that? Very oh man, that was a great were, team. And they were very lucky to make it. And honestly, if that didn't hurt, that bad weather didn't happen. Tennessee was the best team that year. They would have they would have won the SEC tournament. May got a number one seed and could have made the Final Four that year. Um, and then Georgia played as a 14 seed played Xavier and got smashed and so they didn't make it then they made it two years under Mark Fox but honestly Georgia's program's been morbid they tried with Tom Crean he was a failure I thought that was a home run hire didn't work out there so maybe Mike White can get them back to at least competitive that Mark Fox had them competitive Crean couldn't even do that but Tom Crean did recruit Anthony Edwards and also, Kentavious Caldwell Pope played at Georgia. I, I do like some of the talent that Georgia was able to get in the last uh, 10 years. Yeah, I do too. Um, but college basketball right now, uh, like I said, last week there were three, uh, uh, like five or six top 10. The top three teams all lost. Yeah, right? all went down. And, and looking at the AP top 25 right now, uh, Richard, as I got it pulled up. Yeah, Number UConn. Is UConn, who is the defending champions. Diana Luckiest Hill. team in college basketball. They got five national championships, and it mainly because the dominoes just fell their way. And every well, when they win, they last year you saw it. They, they had a pretty Jordan, easy Jordan Hawkins. I mean, he was on fire, and I think UConn was going to win regardless. They dominated everybody in front of them, but they, they had to play San Diego State. I mean, come on, that yeah, that, that's not one of the top teams in the country. Purdue's number two, Kansas three. How about North Carolina, number four? And then you got Tennessee and Kentucky both in the top ten and Auburn just on the outside. Duke and UNC back in the top ten. Um, but it, it's it's up for grabs, man. I, like I told you, I don't care what Purdue does in the regular season. Call me when they get to the NCAA tournament because they lost as a number one seed last year. Uh, UConn, I would say if you ask me the favorites, it'd be UConn or Kansas. Because they're both the teams that won the previous two national championships. Hunter Dickerson's elite, and UConn's got Alex Caban, uh, Caraban, who's putting up 17 a game. I know they're replacing Hawkins, but Hurley's got a loaded roster, and they're number one um, right now. But, again, parity in college basketball, you saw last year, San Diego State and Florida Atlantic made the Final Four. I could see something similar happen this year, man. I really can. But for the teams that we cover, Auburn – is definitely a Final Four favorite. Uh, Alabama, Mark Sears, woo, put up 20 a game. They were they were on the iffy, like they were going to be a 10 or 11 seed since being undefeated. Now they move up to a five seed. I think they'll be around four or five or six, and they can make a run. Nate Oates always has Alabama competitive and has them as a perennial NCAA, NCAA tournament team. And then Georgia, Mike White's second year, finally has them playing basketball where – they win 20 games. They're definitely going to make the NIT, but I think they could be in the NCAA tournament. That would be the first time in my recollection, I'm trying to think back, that Alabama, Georgia, and Auburn all made the NCAA tournament in the same season. I think the last time that happened would have had to have been 2003 when Syracuse won the national title. Auburn made the Sweet 16. I think Alabama and Georgia both were the NCAA tournament. I have to go check that. Yeah, that might have been the Jim Herrick years. Uh, Georgia was a number three seed, and then uh, they went on probation. But yeah, right around the same time, uh, I remember Alabama went to the Elite Eight in 2002. They upset Stanford. 
Uh, but there's another team in Georgia. A thrift, I'm going to call it. They are going to make the NCAA tournament, and that's Kennesaw State. They really took the state of Georgia by storm, making it to their first ever NCAA tournament under Amir Abdul-Rahim. Now they have Antoine Petaway, the former assistant in Alabama. And the reason why I think Kennesaw State is going to win, number one, they have, they're the best team in the Atlantic Sun, but they're winning all these buzzer beaters. Terrell Burden gets the game winner. It was on SportsCenter against Florida Gulf Coast. They're 12-5. and five. I think they're peaking at the right time, and I just... I love Kennesaw State and a huge fan of them. And, of course, Columbus's own Charles Stone plays for Kennesaw State. And, you know, he actually did get a big shot in, in the game a, a couple of weeks ago and just wanted to give Kennesaw State their flowers because I do believe they're going to make it back to the NCAA tournament. Last time Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia all made the NCAA tournament was back in 1987, Richard. Oh, that was – uh... So, in 03, Jim Herrick gets fired. He had a really good Georgia team that was 19-8, and eight, but because of NCAA violations, he gets fired. They get put on probation. That's when they hired Dennis Felton. Remember, Herrick won a national title at UCLA. He was building a great program at Georgia oh. if, he didn't, if he doesn't get fired. And that year, Auburn and Alabama both made it. Georgia would have been a for sure made it too, but they were, again, on probation. Herrick gets fired, and that was the end of that. But 87 was the last time all three teams made it, and I think this year – they got a really good chance. Yeah, Hugh Durham was the coach of Georgia. Yeah, I do miss that Jim Herrick team. It had Jarvis Hayes, Jermaine Jones. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to see that Georgia's going to get back on the level. I want to see some consistency, like how Bruce Pearl has got Auburn. They went to the went to the Final Four in 2019. Now they're at least a 2-3 seed making the NCAA tournament just about every year. I want to see Georgia get that way. We, I know we saw that with Georgia Tech under Bobby Crimmins in the 1980s and 1990s, but I would love to see Georgia there because, you know, the talent in Georgia, we've had some great talent come out of the state of Georgia to include guys like Dwight Howard, Jabari Smith Jr., and, you know, Sharif Abdul-Rahim, who, by the way, is going to be inducted into the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. His son is actually the leading scorer on the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, I know. Um, and I, I know you <laughs> You cheer for those Kennesaw State and those Georgia State teams, man. But uh, really excited as we start getting a conference play for college basketball. And uh, the Auburn Tigers are a favorite to win it all this year. But Alabama is a favorite to make the Sweet 16. And Georgia can make the NCAA tournament. Three good basketball teams um, for the first time in 40 years, close to 40 years. So pretty cool on that. All right, let's hit on some NFL so we can get out of here, Richard. You, had, you talked to Bobby Z. You've got some great games. Let's start with, and I'm pulling up the schedule. We'll start with the game that is happening first, Richard, which is the Texans and Ravens. That's going to be on ESPN. I think that's the first time ESPN's done a divisional game ever. So how about that? Um, yeah. As good as C.J. Stroud is. And I would not be surprised because we always, every single year, have some rookie that makes it to a conference championship and puts on a show, I could see Stroud definitely winning this game. But eventually something's got to give, and the Ravens got to make it to an AFC championship with Lamar Jackson. Um, they've lost every single time, either in the division or in the wild card. No way they lose this year as the best team in the AFC all season long. I got the Ravens beating the Texans, and I got it them winning a 20-13 to type game. 
The last time the Baltimore Ravens were the number one overall seed, it was the 2019 season. The Tennessee Titans upset Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. One reason why is that they got out to a big lead. They ran the ball with Derrick Henry. And Lamar Jackson was still a young quarterback, still trying to learn to play from behind. But this time, he is a polished quarterback. He is going to win MVP. This is the first time that I've seen a Baltimore Ravens team that's got a dynamic offense. And it's because their offensive coordinator, Todd Monken, the former Georgia OC, I mean, they've got Zay Flowers. they got Odell Beckham Jr. Mark Andrews is going to be back from injury. I know that they've had some running backs that have gotten injured, but they still have Gus Edwards, Lamar Jackson. He is a dynamic runner. You can't put a spy on him because he will exploit that. And then that defense is scary, especially when you have Jadavian Clowney, you have Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith in the middle, and Kyle Hamilton is just a ball hawk. I do believe the Baltimore Ravens win, but the Houston Texans are going to make it interesting. And really, the Texans are playing with house money. C.J. Stroud, D'Amico Ryans, that quarterback-coach combo is going to be good for years to come. And the Houston Texans have a lot to be happy about, a lot to cheer for, but I think it's going to be the Ravens' time and they advance to the AFC Championship. With us saying all that about the Ravens, would not shock me if C.J. Stroud and this young Texans team who have nothing to lose, they don't know any better, and to come in and beat them by two touchdowns or, or at least upset them and have the Texans going on to their first ever conference championship. I don't see it. I think the Ravens make it, and I think we're going to pretty much get chalked the rest of the way. Next, Packers 49ers. They're another team just like the Texans, the Packers, and the Bills. I mean, excuse me, the Texans and the Packers. Uh, and you could throw the Bucks in there to an extent. I know they won a title, so I'm not ready to put them in there yet. But Pack Packers and Texans, they're playing with house money, man. I mean, they weren't even supposed to be here. Heck, they weren't even supposed to make the playoffs this year. And both of them are in the divisional round. I know we have seen upsets before, and I know 49ers have had, you know, they've had opportunities here over the last few seasons to win titles, and then they've came up short. But against the Packers, they've dominated. Let's go back to 2012 when – your guy, Colin Kaepernick, runs for 200, throws for 200. 2013, beats him in the wild card. Um, they play again in the 2019 NFC Championship. Just complete domination. I, and then the 49ers also up that, upset the Packers two years ago at Lambeau when they were the number one seed. I think this got their number. I mean, something's got to give. Eventually, I think the Packers are going to beat the 49ers. But... How funny would it be too? Aaron Rodgers 0-4 against the 49ers in his career in the playoffs, and Jordan Love's first year making the playoffs upsets the 49ers. I don't see it. I think it's 49ers. I think they're on the way to a Super Bowl. I don't think anyone in the NFC remaining has a chance to stop them. It would have to be their own undoing for them to lose to this Packers team who has got some bad losses during this regular season. It's not like they've been a juggernaut. Um, I see the 49ers winning this 31-10, like 31-14. I think the Cinderella story is over for them. Pat 49ers back in the uh, championship game. So for what would that be, third year in a row? And four out of five? 
Yeah, that would be the third year in a row, four and out of five. You are right, Frith. And they'll get to host this one, the first one since 2019. The other two 2019. Yeah, this is what the 49ers do. They get When they get into the playoffs, they get at least to the NFC Championship. The last time they lost a divisional round game was to the world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers back in 2002, uh, the 2003-2002 season. The San Francisco 49ers are built, especially when they have home field advantage, to at least get to a conference championship. And I think it's set up for them beautifully because the Cowboys and the Eagles are already eliminated and uh, they would take on, if they get past Green Bay, they take on the winner of the Lions and the Buccaneers. And I think that the 49ers have an easier path to the Super Bowl rather than if they had to play the Eagles or the Cowboys. It's just that this Green Bay Packers team is so young and they are so confident with Jordan Love that they could pull off the upset because they're going to play loose. If Green Bay gets out to an early score and Brock Purdy has to play from behind, and Kyle Shanahan has to coach from behind. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan has never won a game when he was down by eight or more points going into the fourth quarter. So if Green Bay wants to win this game, they're going to have to jump on him early. I say if they win the toss, they need to take the ball and try to score first. And I could see Jordan Love just marching down the field and scorching this 49ers defense, which is good, but teams have moved the ball on this Niners defense. The question is, can the Green Bay defense stop the 49ers offense? Because you got weapons like Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle. The Green Bay Packers defense, a guy like a Jair Alexander, is going to have to come up with a big interception. You're going to have to have a guy like Rashawn Gary or Devondre Campbell get a big strip sack on Brock Purdy to build momentum, to flip momentum for Green Bay to try to come back into this game. Because if you look at these two teams, it's a mismatch. The 49ers are well-rested. All their players are back from injury. But they could factor in rest versus rust. The 49ers have had a week off, and they didn't play most of their starters in Week 18. Can Green Bay take advantage and just continue to play loose and try to get the upset here? Like When I had Bobby Z on the sports beat, he said he would rather see the Packers play in San Francisco or in Santa Clara rather than in Green Bay because right now it's zero degrees outside and it is like a blizzard and you want to play in nice weather. There's not a whole lot of home field advantage at Levi Stadium. I think that Green Bay is it's a perfect matchup for Green Bay to shock the world, but I still just don't see it happening because the 49ers have beaten the Packers the last four playoff appearances. Well, I think that when you're looking at the 49ers, I'm cheering for Jordan Love just to shove it Aaron Rodgers' butt. Like, I can't there you go. Him. That buffoon thinks so highly of himself. And it's not that I agree with Jimmy Kimmel and everything that's happening. And I know that that list has come out. I don't want to make this political, but there's a lot of stuff that you can look, you know, read into. But Aaron Rodgers, my God, uh, just – I almost wanted to pull up uh, – someone said, just shut up and dribble, LeBron. Shut up and play ball. I, I don't want him to say he can't have an opinion, but I've never seen someone more full of himself than Aaron Rodgers. All right, let's move on to the two Sunday games. Bucks lions I think, again, this would be an ultimate choke job if Baker Mayfield comes in and beats the Lions. I think the Lions are going to their first championship game since 1991, and uh, Ford Field is going to be rocking just like it was for, against the Rams. I think the Rams are a better football team than the Bucks. 
I think the Ram, I mean the Lions win this 31 to 20. Jared Goff gets the Lions into the conference championship. Big win for Dan Campbell, proving everybody wrong. He's the Ed Orgeron of NFL. How about that? I love Dan Campbell. That first press conference when he said he was going to bite his opponents in the kneecaps. I mean, he, he is just wildly entertaining. Can I tell you this? When he was at Miami, I thought he was the ultimate meathead. I thought he was a, bu- a buffoon. I really did. And he's done, just like I thought Ed Orgeron, he was a buffoon at Ole Miss. And then he changed, and he at, at four years at his in tenure in LSU, he pulled out the 2019 National Championship team. I think that was the perfect storm. But you saw he, he was able to get that uh, – Something like that was able to happen. Dan Campbell, perfect storm. Maybe he can win an NFL Super Bowl. Yeah, there's no question. His players are going to run through a wall for him. Uh, I think they're they're really firing on all cylinders because their offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, is just a great play caller. Jared Goff is efficient because they have one of the best offensive lines in football. They got great weapons. Amon St. Brown and Jamison Williams. David Montgomery has... Got a resurgence, a sign of life. The Detroit Lions are the better team, and uh, they have got to win this game to get to the conference championship. And I mean, they'll know if they're going to be on the road or if they're going to host that game because, it, let's say the Packers do upset the 49ers on Saturday, the winner of that Bucks Lions game will be hosting the NFC Championship. But you're right. I remember I was just young enough. I was about 12 years old last time I saw the Detroit Lions in the NFC Championship as they had Eric Kramer was the quarterback, Herman Moore, uh, yet Barry Sanders, Wayne Fonts was the head coach. I mean, they it was just a great storybook, but it just ended with probably one of the greatest football teams of all time. That Washington team led by Joe Gibbs with Art Monk, Gary Clark, Ricky Sanders, Mark Ripken, Ernest Biner, uh, that was an all-time team. And so there was no way anybody was beating that team. But I think that it's a great story. If you're a Detroit Lions fan, and if you are, if you're in the state of Michigan and you're rooting for the Michigan Wolverines and the Detroit Lions, how great has this year been for Michigan sports fans? Well, well football fans, that is. Well, they need it because their basketball team's trash. No, they. It's awful. Organization has been putrid the last few years, and they've just been a mess. And then Michigan always coming up short against Ohio State. They've been through a lot, so. Uh, the last one is game of the week, no doubt. Chiefs-Bills. Chiefs run of making consecutive AFC championship games finally ends. I think this is the Bills' year. They're going to face the Ravens. Bills are my favorite to win it all. I love a Bills and Lions Super Bowl. That's what that's what we deserve, but it's not what we're going to get. Because um, I, 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 I think 49ers are going to make it. It could be 49ers-Ravens again like it was in 2012. but. Man, Chiefs Bills. It last time these two teams played, it was a 13 second game when uh, my man uh, Patrick Mahomes pulled it out of literally Houston, you know what, and what was a game for the ages. Gabe Davis had his coming out party. Um, but with that said, Bills in bad weather upset the Chiefs, and Bills make it to their the conference championship game first time since 2020. I agree with you, Thrift. I I think because this game is in Buffalo, I think the Buffalo Bills are going to win this game. The Chiefs have so many flaws. I know that it's the playoffs. It's Andy Reid. It's Patrick Mahomes. They'll figure it out. 
they flip the switch. He doesn't have a number one wide receiver. Say what you want about Rashid Rice. He has put up good numbers, but they don't have a Tyreek Hill. I mean, they don't even have a Juju Smith-Schuster. He was the leading receiver in the Super Bowl team last well, if year. If they're going to win, Richard, it's obviously going to be defensively because holding yes. seven points of Miami Dolphins, that's a that's a great feat. And then you got to think the most turnover-prone quarterback in the NFL has been Josh Allen. So if they do turn him over, they could win an ugly game 17-14. I could see Kansas City doing that. But if that happens, then if you're the Bills, you got to look in the mirror. It's like, how long do we have with this core group? Because I feel like this is like the end for the Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. Allen will stay there, but Diggs may be moving on tenure. So I'm hoping him and them and McDermott, that this is their year to win it all. They need to do it now and beat the Chiefs. Yeah. I'm going to pick them. I do. I'm going to pick the Buffalo Bills. And I'm actually, I'm going to pick the Buffalo Bills to beat the Baltimore Ravens to play the 49ers in the Super Bowl, the Chris Berman Super Bowl. You remember back in the early 90s, Chris Berman would always pick the 49ers and Bills in the Super Bowl. He did that for like eight straight years, and he got one of them right just about every time. But, yeah, it's going to be the Chris Berman Super Bowl. No. <laughs> no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo <laughs> Bills. Shout out to Chris Berman and Tom Jackson. Talk about my childhood. That is Chris Berman. Oh, that's my childhood too, Thrift. That was that was it. What what was that um, called on Sunday nights? Um, the Blitz, like it, it, yeah, NFL Blitz. NFL Blitz, one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite shows. Being able to watch them and do that after the NFL um, day, NFL games that that Sunday. Uh, last couple things I did want to talk about. For one, Atlanta Falcons are just throwing out tweets that were interviewing Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick. I hope they go get someone like that because if they end up with another Arthur Smith, I could just literally lose my mind, uh, Richard. Just come on. You get you got to get a big-name guy to come in. And I think Belichick wants a roster that is talented. He said this, and he's got Adam Schefter being his pony boy, saying that he wants a roster that's talented and not lived up to expectations. So I, I, I'm going that he goes to the Atlanta Falcons, and I'm hoping he gets a quarterback in the Falcons – in that division, could easily win 10 or 11 games. I know the schedule will be more tougher than it was this year, but a lot of talent on that Falcons team. Either way, don't end up with Arthur Smith, who, by the way, is now the offensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints. How about a slap in the face there? Oh, wow. He is now the offensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints. So Unbelievable. And I'm, don't quote me on that. I saw that put up somewhere. I haven't – I mean, you know what? I'm going to – before I start putting my foot in my mouth, Richard, I am going to look at that. But talk about Belichick, Harbaugh, and the Falcons. Who you think they should go after? They either they need to go after Belichick or Harbaugh, either one, because those are the only two coaches right now in my mind that will win immediately. And I, I this, was never mind. That was a joke. Um, someone definitely mean me, Richard, because I thought he no, was it's okay. I mean, we. No, I mean, uh, I I heard rumors that John Gruden was going to be the op. Now that I literally just got, <laughs> I joked myself with this one because whoever put that up, obviously I, this is a bad job reading on my part. Um, it's just bad, bad journalism right now. Why would he go to New Orleans after he just tried to fight Dennis Allen? So you start putting two and two together. Somebody was trying to pull a funny one. And uh, Thurf Barron, you just said on George Alabama Sports Live, which would be funny if he did go there and would be a slap in the face. Um, but it's not going to happen. But Falcons, they do got to find their guy, and they got to get someone like a Belichick, Harbaugh, Vrabel, 
I think Brable's better, the best out of all three of them. This is the best collection of coaches that could be hired that I've seen in a long time. Falcons better get one of them. And also, this is the best collection of quarterbacks that's coming out of the 2024 draft. You better get a quarterback with that eighth pick. Get I don't Jaylen care if it's Daniels. Jalen Daniels, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy. Justin get one of them. I don't care. Just get a quarterback. Get the quarterback right. Can, can we get the quarterback right? Because, you know, if we get the coach and we get the quarterback with the team that is this talented, yeah, the Falcons would win the division and probably win a playoff game next year. I mean, that that's how good this Falcons team is. They just didn't have the coach and the quarterback. We'll see how uh, the rest of the, the, the all-season plays out. But obviously, if you're Atlanta Falcons fan, you, you want someone like that to, um, to, to, to come in and obviously put this Falcons culture back into success, which as bad as it is, Mike Smith was the most successful. At least he made the playoffs every year. Yeah. And then you fire him to get Quinn, and Quinn was supposed to be making them a contender for Super Bowl every year, and now they can't even sniff the playoffs. So it's unbelievable. And then Jerry Jones came to come out and said the Cowboys are going to keep Mike McCarthy for 2024. So check on all you Cowboys fans, your, your, your friends that are Cowboy fans out there. Joe Norman, shout out to you. Check their pulse because the, the, I just don't see how this roster comes back not lifeless. I mean – with any life to them being, I think they're going to be lifeless next year, bringing back McCarthy. I hope they're okay with finishing 12 and five and possibly maybe winning a playoff game next year, but exiting in the divisional round. That's, that's what Mike McCarthy does. That's, that's their expectations. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I thought things were going to change. I thought he was going to be Go this great play. Go get Brable. Go no. get Harbaugh. Get any one of those coaches. They come in with that roster they're winning it all. Now I'm hearing that Nick Sirianni may be fired. Belichick there. I don't think they're going to move on from Sirianni because he just made a Super Bowl last year and he had to replace two coordinators, which is a, a hard task to do. Um, but we'll see what happens. You know, people are going to get fired here in the next couple of weeks, but somebody's got to go after and get Billy Belichick. And I'm hoping it's the Atlanta Falcons. Well, we want to say thank you so much to all our fans out there. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube. Tomorrow night, Carver, Monroe, me and Richard will be there. Then Richard and Rick Beach, Hardaway Shaw, the Bocelli Coaches Basketball Show. Oh, not Hardaway Shaw, Harris County Shaw. I don't know why I said Hardaway. Hardaway got a big win against Bainbridge. Giants yeah, they won. They beat Bainbridge on the road. Hey, oh, big shout-out to the Jordan Red Jackets and Lady Red Jackets. Got the win against Northeast at home. How about that? So all the teams around here, you know we're cheering for you, but the Hardaway Hawks, I told you, don't sleep on them. They're going to still win the region. I know they started 0-3, but I like them finishing strong the rest of this season with Coach Mills. Um, but Saturday, Harris County, Shaw, Sunday, Pacelli Coaches Basketball, Pacelli Basketball Coaches Show um, on Georgia Alabama Sports Live, 6 o'clock, right after Georgia Alabama Sports Live show. And then we'll drop where we're going to be next week. From Richard Holdridge, I'm Thrift Barringer saying thank you so much. Like us, subscribe, and if you would like to be a sponsor, please let us know. We'll see you later here and stay classy on Georgia Alabama Sports Alive.